Welcome to the Just Okay Podcast, a podcast about trying. What was just okay about your week? The Whole30. I started the Whole30 last week, and it has been both great and terrible meeting in the middle at Just Okay. What has... So my Just Okay for the week is also starting Whole30. I can't think of anything that's great though my creativity is back oh right you i wrote s- a whole big bod life manifesto this week that's no joke right and it's been like i just have had lots of ideas which Ooh. we're not gonna get into today. <laughs> we're not gonna get into today because we have several special guests we do not just the should interview we inter- should we introduce yeah so let's start let's let's ask them what their what was just okay about their week uh yeah who's starting um I, oh JC, um, what was just okay about your week? Um, washing Smallfoot. Why was that just okay? Um, it's because it was a good movie. It was a good movie. It was probably fun to go to the theater, but probably not like your favorite movie, right? So it was but just okay. He also got like an hour nap in during the movie. So did you take a nap during the that's movie? That's maybe better than just no. okay. <laughs> you think no? Well, he doesn't I... remember because he was asleep. So. <laughs> no, I was not asleep. Okay. I... He was very comfortable in my lap while watching the yes. movie. Okay. That's a good that's a good one. Uh, Natalie. What was just okay what about your week? What was just okay about your week? Um Well, Did over winter break. Oh, yeah. Over winter break. break, we each got to pick our own day to do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I liked it because I got to pick my own day, but also I didn't like other things that people picked. Uh, <laughs> that's a good explanation that, of why I it's just like okay. Pizza. <laughs> well, yeah, your pizza was yummy, but like, you have to stay close to the microphone so we can hear you. I know, but I'm what was the, what was your favorite thing? Branching off a little bit from being just okay, but what was your favorite thing? Uh, eating grapes. Oh yeah, that was day one of whole thirty. So that was definitely the downside that, of your week of my week. <laughs> um, okay, Sammy, you're up next. Would you like to talk into my microphone or mommy's? I don't have one. Yes, you, don't, you yes, do. do. Come over no, here. I don't. Well. Maybe we can help you work through it. So this week you went to Sew and Swim. Should I do the song for it? No. Sewing. Swimming. Fashion. That's how the song goes. So can you tell us what was just okay about your about your swimming or your sewing and swimming camp? Swimming. Why was it just okay? I don't know. Because you were having a lot of fun sewing, weren't you? Yeah. You maybe to get all your uh, button awards for Lillian Penelope or whoever your awards were called. What were they called? Uh, the Lillian Project and the Scarlet. Which one had the most buttons? Uh, the Scarlet. Project. How many buttons was it? Sixty-one. My Whoa. buttons. My buttons. Did you do that? Did you do sixty? You did sixty-one buttons. <laughs> sixty-one buttons. That is 61 impressive. Sixty-one buttons. Um, <laughs> She didn't do 61 buttons. Oh. 60. That was what, you did? Yeah. I don't believe that. I didn't do the Lillian one, though, because it was 24, and I didn't have enough time. But you did the 61? Yeah. Well, you well, didn't do 24, but you did 61? Yeah. She probably started, she started with the 61 yeah, she first. She Wait, you had to do two separate ones? Yeah. Oh, so that would have been 85 But I buttons? had to do yeah. nine. Got it. Anyway, the just okay thing about your camp was the swimming. Yeah. Because you were you so were. interested in the, in the sewing. And the swimming periods were like two hours each. That's insane. Seems like That's, a long time to swim. Yeah. I mean, it is a sew and swim camp, so they are swimming, but... Yeah. Sewing. Swimming. Fashion. All right. I think maybe I can do a jingle for them. 
Oh, for the for the camp. Yeah, for you the should camp. let you should I'll, let Bill. I'll let Mr. Bill know. Let Mr. I've Bill got a know. jingle working for him. Awesome. Um, Maybe I'll, they could be our first sponsor on the podcast. Yeah, but I'll just, I'll oh, need to do cor- the correction. Correction. Sorry. Second sponsor, List Technology. First right, sponsor. Obviously. Obviously. So what I need to do is do the vocals and then send it to Ackerman from our friends at uh, Drinks with Josh so that he can actually make it mm. into a jingle. Um, is this the official point at which I let Ackerman know that he has become my political guide? So yeah, you he should. should take that with <laughs> with some serious responsibility now. Right. Um, okay, so today's podcast is actually the last the long awaited for That's right. last part of the interview with Richie P. So uh, listen to the rest of this and you'll enjoy all I'm, of his wisdom. I'm really excited. Let's get to it. Realizing that there are people who um, will benefit from my shared experience the way that I benefit from their shared experience. Right, because it's not like, oh, I'm going to go in and be a missionary to these Mormons and show them the way. You're also benefiting from this at the same time. Like It's still a mutual beneficial uh, relationship. Well, and that's, so about a year ago, probably, that's where I was, is that I was like the, uh, I was going to be the atheist stoic who evangelizes these truths and everyone's going to follow along with me because that's what I had done in Mormonism. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I still hold on to those things. I think you've said this before and like, uh, there's other podcasters, like uh, Pete Holmes talks about this and... uh, Dak Shepard, I think, talks about this too, where it's like, I just want to know. Like, if I'm not doing something correctly, you tell me the thing, and then I'll take that information in and I'll fix the thing. So I like to, like, just keep keep progressing and moving along. And I assume everyone else is that way, which is an incorrect assumption. Not everybody works that way. <laughs> what a nice, I mean, a giving people the benefit of the doubt uh, position to take. Um, I mean, I think you have to be a little careful with that, but I still think that while protecting yourself, assuming positive intent is always, yeah. well, it, and this is like, to that point is just like, it annoys me when people don't like point out, like, this is how you could be doing better. I will then evaluate whether your statement to me is correct. Like, I'm not just going to assume that you're right. I'm going to think, Oh, let's see. He told me that I need to do this better. Can I do that better? And it could be something as mundane as like, did you know that you could save three minutes by washing your dishes in this way instead <laughs> of that way? That is literally the something that's come up to me really? this week that I can save water by doing dishes because we do dishes by hand now because our dishwasher is a whatever. <laughs> so... <laughs> I can fill up this. I can fill up one sink and then fill up the other sink to like rinse dishes. And now I've saved like ten gallons of water. That makes me so happy. Wow. And if if I knew I was gonna save like ten drops of water, I would do it the way that saves that much every time. If I know it's like within my abilities, it's like how I like address work. Like if I spend fifteen hours creating a template that I know that I can use that will save me sixteen hours. I will do it every time. Wow. That's so like just that's just how my brain works. It's like algorithms like trying to see if I can do this a little bit better every time. 
And I know not everybody's wired that way, but it's so hard. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I like, I mean, I obviously, I, I love that. Like, I, I think I'm open to new information. I just, uh, I don't always integrate it in, uh, in that same way. I'm not able, I, I'm not as rational. I don't think like you're, you're very clearly like, oh, well, if I do it this way, then I'm going to, going to save this amount of things. And so clearly I should do it this way. It's a little, it's a little messier than sure, that. Sure. <laughs> but the, even the fact that you're like, Hey, this is how I want to be. Yeah. Um, because I do think that there's a, uh, like even as a kid, I was always the trial by error kid when I was doing math. I was never the like pinpoint precision. This is like step A, step B. I was like, well, I'll just guess and see how close I get. And I do think that there's benefit in our lives to doing that because you get presented with messy, like so many decisions have a million variables. Yes. So like pinpointing the variables, you'll probably mess up anyway. Yeah. So make a good guess. Try it. If it doesn't quite work, you know, course correct. Try again. And then your sine curve goes up rather than sine curve going down. Well, and it sounds like you're like you and Emily both are living your life that way where, you know, we talked about earlier about you guys kind of taking each decision and then being in the messiness of it and then approach, but, but taking each one and making the decision and you're continuing obviously to do that with your community, spirituality, I don't know what you want to call that part of it, <laughs> but like doing it with that and in interacting with people and just taking each situation as it comes. Um, I don't, I don't feel that way at all. Like I, I need my rules. I need my steps. I'm trying now <laughs> to, to understand that that doesn't matter because even if I have all the steps, like you said, it's still going to be messy. It doesn't like solve the problem. It just makes me feel more comfortable about doing it. So, um, well, interesting like, so that you've always kind of been is, in the mess. Is there like a feeling that you have that like one day you'll you'll get it like you'll you'll get the one plus one is two and then you'll be like i figured it out like i have the answer so this is all i need to do let's just do these steps diana yes. i figured it out <laughs> no that, that is that is how i live my life and in fact like every time i take on a new thing it's not because i'm like okay let me just get into it let me get messy let me get tangled i'm like oh I got it. I got the answer. I'm going to start taking these steps. And, the, and then at the end, I'll know, like, everything will be fine. When I get to, like, step two, I'm like, eh, maybe not. And then step by step three, I'm like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I went down the wrong path. Everything's a mess. And, like, I just, like, completely, like, am crushed. And, like, and oftentimes, like, sort of results in a depression. And I'm like, I don't know how this life can go on. And then, like, I come out of it and I got a new set of steps and I do it again. I think if I approached it with uh, more of a, okay, everything's messy. Let's just step a little bit in. Let's let's try. Let's at, let's course correct as things go along. Um, I think I would have less devastation in the like. I could keep the cycles moving rather than having it dip so far down. Yeah. I I tend to believe right now that I'm still moving upwards, but like the dips in between are really big, and it takes a long time uh -huh. to get back up, and then I crash again. Um, but I, well, because I mean, it's the difference between and there's and it, honestly, you may end up at the same place, right? Because you're talking about an upward slanting line, and that is the average, and that just averages up, right? As long right. as you keep going that up average, that's great. 
and maybe you're doing the sine curve along that line where you just have like the gentle slopes from beginning to end, but maybe also you have the jagged curve where you just go up, down, up, down, but you're still going up the curve. Yeah, I just worry about how I interface with other people yeah. in the down. If stability is a gentle wave uh -huh. and my wave is jagged, how do other people interact with my jagged when you know they're used to this and that like people have a range of comfortability but if i'm like up and then down like how how does that affect other people in my life and yeah. how does that affect my overall stability um i think that that is that would be the advantage to the gentle curve even though maybe the in place is the same or at least i'm hitting the same levels the the in between um could could be a little less drastic, just from a, a comfortability standpoint, from other people's perspectives, and from stability. So the answer is antidepressants or alcohol. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe like that's that's true. I, I'd be, I mean, honestly, for me, that's part of like living as well. Is that like I know my anxieties, I know those things, and like. I make the choice between taking an antidepressant or drinking a couple of glasses of whatever and that will smooth the edge that I need smoothed and you know the problem is does that affect my long-term health <laughs> probably but also like you know makes did that I mean we am I willing this, to take the trade off most of the time right this is the yolo versus the future debate right like do you do what feels right today to get through today or do you like do you do you postpone that for whatever the the future may or may not deliver yeah well and this is like a conversation we had about a, a month and a half ago when I came to DC and talked to you and Diana for one night and kept you guys up too late no. <laughs> midweek never, never too late for <laughs> for uh, drink and discussion yeah. Uh, like that's, this is, this is like, so I, I love having the conversations and listening to conversations about like existential things about life. Like that just is like catnip to me. And I could just all day, every day love those things. Like I go to the church of Pete Holmes because <laughs> I just like that last 30 minutes yeah. where he talks to people about what they think. And most people are just like. I don't know, like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> here are some things I think. And those that, that conversation makes me so happy. But also, the other part of me is uh, we have not figured a way around the second law of thermodynamic, thermodynamics. We are trending down. Our energy is decreasing. And at some point, this star burns out and nothing on this planet ever mattered. Or did it matter? And if it did matter, why? Because there's not going to be anything there to have remembered it. Or is there? Because, <laughs> like, this is something that, like, um, like I've heard from my father-in-law a bunch of times is, like, the flatland approach of, uh, like, I don't remember all of the details, but the main points are 2D creatures exist and then there's a 3D creature that shows up and they don't know what to make of it because it just looks like some other thing and they can't comprehend the next thing. 
So here we are stuck with our human monkey minds and our human monkey attributes. And all we can make sense of is those things around us with our senses. So that's all we got. And there might be some other thing that is comprehending something else. And who knows? It might be a computer simulation that's comprehending this oh, thing as well. Yeah. It could be so many different things. Uh, but like that doesn't affect us today. Yes. Um, but I did like something that you posted the other day was this kind of like, um, like maybe we are just an accident of like consciousness is an actual accident of evolution. But like, let's at least just try to make everybody happy. Yeah. So I, I go between, I'm the same way. I love the existential conversation. I want to get into it. I want to talk about it. And then I'm like, but that doesn't matter <laughs> because it could either way, no, whatever way it is or isn't in the end, it doesn't matter because all that really is meaningful is this, what yeah. we're doing here, what we're doing now and how that makes us feel because that's what's real to us. I mean, I can't, I can't get away from the existential conversation. It's impossible for me. It, it is too interesting me, to me. And, and like, this is part of my jagged curve, right? Like I, I've talked about in the last few weeks, like I have a life philosophy. I've figured it out. I know everything. And then like, nope, that actually doesn't work. <laughs> like complete devastation. Like nothing matters. We're all going to burn up and like it, nothing will exist. And then like I'm here this weekend again. Um, and for the listeners at some point, I'm sure I'll give a more deep, deep debrief of what happened this weekend but like being here and now with other people being present showing up and seeing them hearing them being known yourself um that's that's really all that like i can feel that matters um i can't get away from the other stuff all the time but i know i if i know anything i know that that's what's important well and that's what i so what i bound between is it's the same thing like you say the yolo eat drink and be merry <laughs> yeah eat drink and be merry because i might die tomorrow I, you absolutely might i might die this afternoon who knows well let's hope it's not before <laughs> we go see Patton oswald yeah <laughs> uh and like i'm getting more at peace with that part of it of like this might be all there is like it, it might be finished today it might be finished i mean Potentially for us, it might be finished in 150 years. Like, who knows what changes yeah. will happen between now and 50 years in life science to perpetuate humans. But uh, I think that I think the answer has to be: you need to be doing things that uh, provide long-term satisfaction, that provide those long-term. Um, benefits of joy and happiness because uh, those things um, those things have a bigger it, it, you get down to utilitarian terms those have a bigger payoff right they, like at, there's just no question that they have a bigger payoff or a more consistent uh, established payoff for sure maybe maybe yeah. not higher on, on our but you know that thing. you're at least getting 10 payoff units yes yes 10 payoff units will be delivered yeah <laughs> and maybe maybe you'll get 100 you could but like the eat, drink, and be merry every day, you get one or two. Yeah. You know every time you're going to get one or two and it's going to be immediate. You're going to get it. Yeah. But there's no future promise. Well, it's, like, it's this question uh, this question that you guys asked each other about, you and Diana asked about, like, uh, would you rather have 
sex every determined amount or some <laughs> other a different amount of a higher a higher quality and like that's kind of what it is is that you want the higher quality payouts as you go and how do you get those religion has actually figured a lot of those out right and that's, <laughs> and that's the hard part is that it's you know i noticed that it's having quality interaction it's having long-term quality interactions with people where you can have relationships where you consistently interact with each other and each time you interact there's not you're not for sure going to have a payoff but over time you will have this relationship that uh endures and has uh just has a very the quality of it you just can't question and usually that happens in like nuclear family units and that's how i've seen it in my family is that like the i can i can already see the quality of relationships i have with my children like they seem to me to be the ones that will persist and i know that anytime i can call any member of my family and they will listen to me man that that is uh that, that that's impactful and making me somewhat realize that i don't have that um that long term specifically with family i mean that's not true i lied well let me let me say this while you're considering that is <laughs> one of the hardest things about our moving to los angeles is just uh you don't have the same quality of relationship with people over social media that you do when you're in person and we had a group of friends that we would get together with once a month and that's probably one of the best quality interactions that i was having in northern virginia is i knew that you know every 30 to 60 days i was going to get together with people who understood what yes. i was doing yes what they were doing and we were going to be able to just talk about whatever for four to six hours and i didn't have any other like thing to consider or worry about yeah i mean that that group and and those interactions um you come as you are being known not having to hide or worry like yeah i mean i agree with you that that is um that's really where i'm finding the, those long-term things and realizing that while i don't want my life or this podcast to be all about mormonism it is in the ex-mormon post-mormon whatever community where i feel understood where i don't have to explain all the things that i've gone through yeah. to get where to where i am and i i think that's a deep human need too is to have that community that understand you show up and they already have some pretty good assumptions about who you are um, that was mormonism for me before that's ex-mormonism to mo to the majority extent now ex-mormonism is where i find uh that same community where i show up people know my background and i can just be who i am yeah and that's i think that's kind of what i've been trying to do more of is just letting people know who i am from the get-go and like you know people will attract to you and you'll figure out who it is that you attract to i know being here that probably hasn't happened to me yet right and i know that it's happened to emily already awesome and uh so it's you know it's one of those weird things that it takes time to find those communities but i even think like there was a there's a little bit of specialness to that the community we had in northern virginia because 
uh, it's even more fine-tuned than just like ex-Mormon. Yes. It's, oh, I'm going to cringe as I say it, but like ex-Mormon and woke. Yeah. Where you just like, you, you get the other social issues, you get all of the other progressive things that are happening and you're just, you're on board and you don't need to like talk about certain parts of it. You're now talking on the margins of like, how do we like incorporate or like what's the next step instead of like trying to bring someone else along. That's the hard part is bringing someone else along to where you are, or where you want to be. And uh, like, you, I mean, it happens. You find people who fit that mold. Yeah. But it takes time. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was definitely a subset of a subset. Yeah. Um, this weekend, there were actually two guys who were former Mormons. But in just my interaction with them, one was a convert later in life, and one kind of had a more moderate relationship with the church early on. And so it wasn't quite the same. Yeah. Um, both of them described themselves as not being angry about it. And I, I cannot, uh, I, I don't share that feeling. I, I do have some anger, uh, have had more anger and it, it's cyclical, but I, I, just a quick pause on that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't characterize my relationship with you as seeing there being a lot of anger with it. So maybe that's just like played out in other areas that I haven't seen, but like, uh, yeah, I haven't quite seen uh, well, that I, anger because I've seen like, I've seen the, the like real anger of like, I can't even articulate how angry I am. Anger. I've never seen that. Well, I'm not good at expressing my emotions. So that, <laughs> that's probably why you've never seen it. I do feel a lot of it. And like I said, it is cyclical and my general nature is not angry. It, that's just not who I am. Yeah. So I would definitely not be comfortable expressing that even it, with, with the closest people in, in the community I feel because I tell myself it's wrong. And anyway, a lot of work I have to do, but, <laughs> but, um, Anyway, just seeing their relationship, uh, to, to go back to like the kind of subset of a subset, uh, I didn't connect as closely to them as just some other people that were there because they didn't have the similar experience and are like, like you said, again, to use the word woke is <laughs> painful, but, uh, to have that position, um, I think to not only have a common past experience, but, a common current experience and and progress is just i mean well and that's but that's the other part of it is that uh as much as i like that community and uh i will say that it was necessary for me for two years to have that community for sure if i if if that hadn't existed um i probably wouldn't have made certain like life decisions that I made during that time or that Emily and I made during that time. Um, but I am so worried almost all the time about tribalism existing, and, you know, most immediately in the United States, but then also just generally in the world that like, that's, that is our general, like we have this biological urge to find people like us and to, clump ourselves together and if I had always done that like to you guys to the point you guys made in one of your recent podcasts that like you could have been blissfully ignorant for the rest of your life had nobody ever raised any of these issues to you and you yeah. had just been 
cloistered in a small Mormon community in northern Idaho and you never met anybody else and you never got news from anywhere else. And you could be like, you could have had sustained long-term happiness in that. Um, but it's not the kind of long-term happiness that also results in the happiness of other people. Yeah. So you need to, it's evangelizing, but not in the same way that like I was brought up to understand evangelizing. <laughs> it's just going out and meeting people in other communities and like saying like, you're different. What is it about you that makes you better than me? And saying like, I want to use the thing that you're better at doing to make me a better person. So like, what, what, what flaws do you see in me? And just like sitting for a minute. Yeah, it's, it's about showing up in a place and uh, making space for the other person to also show up. And then we we both are there. We're, we are yeah. being. And that's the evangelizing, You the, at least that I want to do, is we are here. We are showing up. We are together. We are, I'm knowing you. I'm witnessing you. You're doing the same for me. And that's that's what matters, and that's sort of an anti-evangelizing, right? Like, I don't have the answers, but um, I'm interested in hearing your answers. Yeah. So please tell me, and and let's let's share answers and, and let's share questions. Well, and that's uh, like I've probably said this like ten times already. So like, take a drink, but <laughs> like podcasting to me is that thing where. People have long-form conversations. I get to sit in, listen quietly while people tell me about what their experience was and how they got there. And like the ones that are very long-form are really good for me. And then the other ones that I really like are uh, like my other religion is comedy. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Like just recognizing the absurdity and ridiculousness of everyday life. Yes. Like that's my, that's my other religion. Like if you define religion by the precepts, principles that you consider most frequently on like a daily basis, that's it. I mean, I listen to probably uh, five to 10 hours of comedy podcasts a week. And like that's, that is very much church for me. Just putting a finger on a ridiculous thing and amplifying it a hundred times and making me laugh. Yeah. That's church for me. Amen, man. Like, so it, it's interesting that you say that because I, I, I'm a cyclically serious person where I only want to talk <laughs> about serious things. I don't like, I'm like, stop your, stop your bullshitting and you're laughing. Like that's, this is serious business. And then like, I'll listen to a comedy podcast, which I don't do often enough. But when I do, I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, I feel like comedians and some very specifically are like just agents of chaos and just highlighting the absurdity and just bringing these things up. Like uh, Duncan Trussell, for example, like I just feel like he was put on earth to just be just crazy and just be like, trickster. yeah, a trickster, a complete trickster. And you're like, Oh yeah. Like this is all crazy. This is all absurd. Nothing, yeah. nothing does matter. Like let's, let's revel in that fact together that, it's complete absurdity and I forget about that. So thank you for reminding me of that. (laughs) Uh, I don't listen. I I listen to Pete Holmes. So he gives me some of that, but his is a little, a little more serious and that's, that's where always where I go. Like I like the seriousness. I I like things to be important. Um, 
but I do need to be reminded of just the absurdity. Well, for me, it, like, I guess it's even more specific than like comedy writ large, right? I don't want to have someone comes out and is like, oh, how about this thing? With the, like, <laughs> my wife is this thing. And like, listen to that. It's like, no, that's so boring to me. So boring. What I love is I just love long form improv. Like listening to long or watching. So being in LA, I can go to the Upright Citizens Brigade and just watch long form improv happen. And then like, again, that's like church for me because someone, they pinpoint these just like silly social norms that we have and just blow them up for everyone to see. And we're just like, you know, especially at like Upright Citizens Brigade, there's like a uh, hundred seats. So you are like, like you can smell the performers. They're, they're right there in front of you. And like, they're just, they're just lampooning it all and hitting it just right. And is it's the perfect com, uh, like comedic medium for me. So yeah, I, I just I, love that stuff. So do you have a podcast to recommend that would that would hit those kind of specifics? So the one I love is this one took me a while to get into actually. Uh, I listened to it a couple times and I was like this is terrible. And then I quit listening and then I listened again is Spontaneation. Okay. Uh it's Paul F Tompkins. Oh, PFT. Yeah. He's a real agent of chaos too. And like he really has blossomed in like like his second act of his career of just being like the uh ambassador of podcasts he's like there's like he's just on so many and he'll just go and he'll just talk and he's just a delightful person and he just is a silly person too and he he's really good at grounding comedy in a way that other people aren't but most long form prof, uh improv that's good that I like, I can say it's good. That I <laughs> sure. like. Uh, they will. Uh, they set out. They have a conversation with some people, and then they just incorporate details from that conversation into the comedy. And so you're really uh, pulling, like pulling those norms from that person's life. So they'll just talk to a person about different things that happen in their life, or like when I've been to UCB, it's been um, like a monologuist that uh, like the ass cat show is really good and they'll just talk about something that happened in their life and they'll pick out the most absurd things that happened in that experience and the other good one is improv for humans with matt besser okay and you know what he often says is like uh uh um, i'll get it wrong now <laughs> <laughs> like truth is comedy right so you just like you have to find the truth in the experience. So a monologuist will tell a story. Every story has nuggets of truth in it and those truths will turn into the comedy. Um, and, and it takes good improvisationalists to get to that comedy. Right. And, um, but I think that's what they're doing is they're saying, you remembered this experience because there's something true about it. Let's go, let's like live in that experience with you for a minute and then let's extrapolate all of the silly things that humans care about in that one little experience. And probably people who like care about comedy are like, 
oh, he's such a neophyte. He doesn't understand. <laughs> he, he doesn't, doesn't understand get, You just don't get it. <laughs> but like to me, like again, that's like that is church where I just like when I am sitting on a metro train coming home and I laugh out loud <laughs> and I've got my earbuds in and people are just like, well, they don't even look anymore, I guess. Yeah. But like, and I just laugh because it's so... It, this whole experience, there's just so much that's ridiculous about it. And like, why is it that we have this thing and not that thing? And like, why is this thing happening and not that thing? Uh, like physically, there's lots of just silly things. And I love a good poop joke for my kids. Amen. You're always every, chasing the fart joke. <laughs> every time. And I think that's a good foundation for comedy. But like then you get into the experiential stuff of everyday life is just like what is even happening here what like how did these happening? rules like just how did they all come to be in such a way that we do things in this like narrow way and like we all just accept it yeah we're just like okay yep that's it yeah that's that's the way things are done <laughs> and we need the we need the tricksters we need the we need uh the people who rebel to push on those things and say, is this a good thing or is this not a good thing? Yeah. And if they push strongly enough, like we were talking about LGBTQI issues, they push strongly enough, they get heard, and then we change. Right, and then and then we change. Yeah. Not not just them. Right, and um, it's like like our kids are going to grow up in a totally different world than what, what we grew up in. Right, because of these tricksters, these agents of chaos, like these, these people who are pushing the... The issues. I mean, the the the. I don't know where this comes from, but like the revolution will not be televised. It will be podcasted. Like that's that's like sort of been my my thing over the last few years. I mean, that's why I was able to feel some comfort in leaving Mormonism and like why I've made any sort of progress or learned anything is through podcasts and the fact that it's continuing and it's it's odd in this world where video can be broadcast anywhere that audio is really and i mean i think some of it is like you can do it anywhere and all the time it's it's passive yeah and rather than having to be completely you know visually engaged uh but podcasts are 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 really why the like in my mind why the internet was invented right that like like anyone can talk and we can talk for a long time and we can and this, so this feels weird like but saying that on a podcast but it's super but meta but this that's a hundred percent what it is to me is long long i guess long form anything is important to me because i get so like i had to deactivate facebook and like i had to get off twitter and i had to do all these things because those snippets those rapid fire quick uh orgasms of experience <laughs> are not worth it they're just they're just not they're not worth it to me anymore to invest any time because I sit there and I hear it and I either get really upset or I get really hardened because like a point will come up and I'm like, oh, I agree with that. I really agree with that. And the serotonin goes, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I feel I'm a good person. Or I think like, no, that's wrong. That's totally wrong. And I just get so like into that feedback loop. And I was like, this is not healthy. Like. I'm sure at some point that's going to come out that it's not healthy oh. for your brain to be doing this so What we're going to so learn about quickly. phones and social media in the future, it, act, it actually terrifies me 
of what we are doing to ourselves and possibly like our children, depending on like when they start engaging with that. But I agree with you. Um, and maybe that's why the revolution is podcasted because it's a long form format still that, um, isn't reading, which people don't do. So like it's a way to have this long form discussion where you can, you can nuance things, you can work through things. It's not just like boom. And either, like you said, like you're either getting the pleasure, like immediate pleasure or the immediate like, ugh, like, and then just like stacking up on your on your uh, your side and continuing to harden in, in your ways whereas a podcast is like here's some of this and here's why this and, and yeah and well and you get into the the nitty gritty just works itself out like the grist starts to form where if you just get like sound bites and you get like a quote like there's been multiple times when I've been like looking at the news and I've seen like a quick quote by somebody and I've been like, I'm just going to search that person's name for podcasts and see what they're like. Just, Actually saying. What are you saying? And just, and finding a good person to interview them and just walk through it with them and just wade through it and take the natural conversation where it goes rather than just being like, and this person obviously means this by that. Yeah. And, I mean, what a, what a dangerous thing to do is to take out of context, one snippet, and then think you understand yeah. what's happening. And I think that's what a lot of the dystopian kind of views of the future have really picked up on is that like, this is the bad thing is like 1984 is that they have like the speech issues where they just start calling things like certain things. And then like everybody just agrees that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just th- those kinds of things I think like I could see that kind of happening in our culture as well. And that, that, that worries me. So, you know, evangelizing those long form conversations and even reading too, right? There's, I used to follow, it's like longform.org or something uh-huh. where they only posted long form articles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the only way you can really get the answers is you can't get there by just like snap of the finger. This right. is the next thing. I'm going to pause to pee. Okay, we are back. We both realized that we possibly have diabetes and can't hold our bladders. So, <laughs> um, in the spirit of a just okay, a podcast about trying, I'd like to kind of conclude with what are you trying to do in your life? Uh, yeah, so. Lots of things, I guess. Uh, it's it's a little bit different now. So Emily and I used to do like monthly check-ins and stuff like church-related. Like, oh. here are all of our spiritual goals for the next whatever period of time or like quarterly. I think is what we usually did was quarterly. What are all of our like physical, educational things? And I think we do less of we do less of that now, right? Since we're not like since we fell out of like the church thing where it like reminded us to do that and we're actually about to start doing that I and I would say it's largely based on like your conversations with you and Diana's conversations about like um like how what to do next right yeah and uh so we're we're revisiting that presently and I think like for spiritual 
Um, I've been trying some interesting stuff, partially related base, uh, partially related to your podcast, the liturgists, Pete Holmes, Richard Rohr, all of these different influences. The board of directors, as I call them, <laughs> I do not include myself on that, but the others, absolutely. Uh, and there's things I agree and disagree with, uh, but I like to just try things. So, uh, my practice, I guess, is what I'm trying to say is, is I try to meditate um, most days if I can. I don't every day. Right. Uh, a good day is 15 minutes. And uh, a really good day is 30 minutes. I try to exercise five times a week. And uh, I have a reward structure for that. Do you feel comfortable sharing that reward structure? It's so lame. It's so no, boring. Well, but I think it, it is... Um, Part of having things that you're trying to do, especially things that don't have necessarily any pleasure in them, rather it's satisfaction you know over a long term, Yeah, I'm interested in how one motivates themselves. Um, so for me, exercise, I can't do exercise unless I am granted permission to do it or I have a reward at the end. So it could be either of those two things. So either Emily could say to me specifically, you may work out this many times a week at this time for such and such amount of time. And I say, okay, and I will follow that rule. Again, rule-based. I, I will you. follow that rule to a T every, every time. Wow. Or I can set it up as a reward structure, which I think is better for our relationship, where I say, uh, I will work out five times a week, and at the end of the week, I can get a small something for myself. The small something so far have been very, so varied as a mop. <laughs> because we needed a mop. But now I could buy a mop without any guilt of buying a mop. Because we try to watch our expenses. We're very careful about where our money's going. So now I get a mop. We make plenty of money. We don't need to like <laughs> think about that. But I think it's important also to delay satisfaction. I get satisfaction out of every single purchase I make. So delaying that makes me feel a little bit good. That's again, and, and having to earn it, right? Earning it makes me feel good about it. Okay. So um, I don't get the same satisfaction out of earning my paycheck because it's like all behind the scenes. Yeah. I don't see it happening. It's ongoing. And it's then not like, like someone like a... gives me a wad of cash and is like, go blow this on whatever you want to blow it on. <laughs> like I get it in a bank account. I don't even see it because I never look at my bank account. Emily does all of our finances. Okay. Yeah. Like she'll check in. I'll check in every once in a while and see where we're at. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like that's good to know. Like that's fine. Um, I also got a pair of pants at Old Navy. <laughs> um. Part of it was being able to buy the mezcal that we've been drinking today. Oh yeah, I forgot so the that, sponsor of the podcast. Today we're sponsored los, by Mezcal Los Javis. Javis? Javis. 100% agave. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's just little things like that, but it's nice because I tell myself, I can't, like I'm not just going to buy something discretionary during the week. I'm not just going to buy a discretionary thing. At the end of the week, if I've done my five workouts, I will pick a thing. Okay. So at the end of the year, I'll have bought 50 things. That's it. And uh, it feeds into my other 
one of my other uh, religious interests, which is Stoicism. Mm -hmm. And one of the main tenets of Stoicism is uh, creating sacrifice or creating discomfort, putting yourself in a situation that you would not ordinarily seek. So like Seneca, like I like Seneca the best. He's so easy to read. You can read one of his letters to Lucilius in like five to ten minutes Mm -hmm. every time. So easy. Really easy practice. And he'll be like, so I showed up at my villa and I told my waitstaff not to bring me any bread that was cooked today. I told them to bring me the last bread that they were about to throw out. And I didn't feel like I was going to eat it because it looked gross. (laughs) So I waited until I was hungry enough to eat it. And that to me is a very, I like that practice of, uh, we have so much abundance. I can, just because of the way the chance, the way that chance has worked out in my life, the luck that I've had, has just rolled the lucky dice. To, to, to be more stoic about it, the way the fortune has smiled upon you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can go to any grocery store and buy any item I want at any time. Yes. There is nothing in a grocery store I cannot buy. And I live in a major metropolitan area. So really, like the world is at my fingertips. But denying myself gives me some satisfaction and gives me some benefit to realizing that like mind over matter, I can deny the physical requirements for a period of time. Um, And the reward structure of the exercise plays into that where I can go onto Amazon and buy a lot of things that I want. But now I'm saying to myself, no, we're not going to give you that serotonin rush right now. You have to wait a little bit. And I think there's plenty of like research that like delaying gratification oh, yeah. increases gratification. Right. And like I think that's uh, yeah that's probably true across the board of like any physical satisfaction that you get as well. Uh, so I so as again a part of the practice is. Uh, you know, doing the meditation, doing exercise. Before uh, we move off of stoicism, yeah, um, you called it religious. Can you kind of further define that? Um, I, I, I have such negative connotations with religion that I, I realize that there are positive aspects to it, and specifically with stoicism, which I, I mean we've talked about a lot in, in various times throughout um, our relationship, but. You call it religious. Why do you do that? Why do you feel comfortable doing that? Yeah, I guess um, for me, I probably uh, use religion and spirituality pretty closely or like ethics. All of those things are just a stew okay. to me. I'm not too particular about the language because uh, in some ways I can treat it as a religion, right? So I read um, the compilations that, uh, what's his face? Tim Ferriss? Tim Ferriss. The, the Tao of Seneca, yeah. one, two, and three. Yeah, so I read all of those as like a practice. And as that practice, I would say I was practicing a religion of Stoicism. 
I did all the things of stoicism. I did the nightly check-ins. I did the morning meditations. I did all of those things. Uh, in final account, uh, it's not a good religion for me. At the end of the day, there's probably five to 10,000 people who care about it in the world. I don't know who those people are or where they are. And I don't know how to interact with them on a daily basis. Useless to me as a religion. Okay, yeah. As a system of ethics, I think it's very useful. Because uh, they focus on core virtues that will bring long-lasting uh, satisfaction and happiness. They care about wisdom, justice. Uh, I added kindness into that as well. I use that in my loving kindness. Okay. Uh, courage. And I'm sure I missed one as well. Oh, equanimity or like the middle way kind of way of thinking. Uh, I don't remember what the word is. And uh, so those five things are what they care about. I think those are all really admirable. And I think there's ways to uh, couch most of my life's decisions as one of those decisions between the virtue and the non-virtue of that. So I, I like that as like a general system. And again, I still use it because uh, when I'm on the toilet, I read some Seneca because he's an easy read. He always has something like punchy to say. Mm -hmm. He's talking as an old man to a younger friend and he realizes he doesn't have that much time left on earth. Here's the best hits that I've got for you. And most of it is just realizing that like the things that we fear are the things we have to confront. So what do we fear? We fear death. Confront death. What would it be like if I died today? Why are you not living today like you're going to die today? I think a lot of people in like American culture think that means like, oh, I got to have this like massive orgy of like <laughs> all of the senses. Uh, but that's not, I don't think that's a very considered approach. I think you have to kind of think more about like, do you really care about all those things? And you probably, even if you realize that today's your last day, are you just going to go like on a, just this like amped up Bacchanal? <laughs> probably not. Right. You're probably going to go see your parents. You're probably going to go see your kids. You're probably going to go spend some time with all the people that you care about and love. And that's it. That's all the time that you have. And what that tells me is connection, that has led you up to this point. Yes. And like, he's even doing it at the moment. He is writing a letter to Lucilius, his buddy, who wants to know all the secrets, who's just like dying to know everything. And Seneca's like, you're just tr like, you're trying too hard. We're doing, we're, this is it. We're this doing it. this yeah. right now. Like you're getting all the answers through our correspondence, like sending the letters. So I think, uh, like, what else do we fear? We fear, like, starvation or, like, sickness and those things. Um, but from those things is, you know, I've never had really terrible experiences with that. So I can't, like, it would be improper for me to, like, go too far with that. But, like, I fasted, and that has helped me to recognize the benefit of food. It's helped me to recognize the difficulty of people who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Um... And so I think those are very, um, I think those are stoic ideals to like, to care about and pay attention to. And I still 
Like I still care about those things, but as far as like, I mean, those are like, there's also all of this other stuff with Stoicism. Like they believe that this experience keeps happening and that it ends in a conflagration of fire and it just all burns up and then it starts again. Maybe that happens. <laughs> right. I don't know. Their, their best attempt at describing. And Seneca doesn't really care about that. So that's why I like Seneca. Yeah. I mean, me too. That, that's been my experience too, is that Seneca is the most approachable, yeah, the, the easiest to understand. And the fact that Tim Ferriss made those three, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, fantastic books divided the way that they are. I mean, it's very scriptural, so I can yeah. see the religious, uh, perspective from it. Anyway, I derailed you from the other things you're trying, so we can leave Stoicism if, if yeah. you want and move on. Well, to I would just, I will just say about like the other Stoic writers, Epictetus, he's too religious. I can't, I just can't do it. Uh, I have to get myself out of that uber religious camp. I, I can't read the Bible anymore. I can't read the Book of Mormon anymore. Those things aren't happening. Right. Like they just they they drop too much like venom in me to like make it a useful endeavor. I won't do it. Maybe the Old Testament a little bit because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they're fun stories. And I think there's like there's so much comedy from those stories. That's true. That just goes over the head of the uh, ardent believer. And they just like. They're just like, oh, and this happened. It's like this this donkey talked to that man. It's like, no, this is so ridiculous that this happened. Like, there's another story happening here. Right. This right. is comedy. Someone is writing comedy in the Bible here. They're good writers. You can't write well unless you can understand comedy. Right. And so so what are they actually trying to say? Yeah. yeah. And so like go to that next level. And that's where they're getting at. Um, so other practices that I have or like life I guess would be uh, like my podcast practice as well as like listening to podcasts hearing conversations long form conversations of like real life experience um, I'm trying to think what else uh, like my daily interactions with kids like trying to figure out what it is that motivates them to make a certain decision teaching them to question what it is that's motivating them and trying to prod them along into a more introspective decision-making process and allowing them to make mistakes. And that's the hardest part <laughs> because I know everything. Right. And so they should do all the things that I say because <laughs> I'm right about everything. <laughs> uh, which again, I think this is going back to earlier of like a little bit about relationship with like me and Emily is that like, that was the hardest thing for me to learn early in our relationship and probably even years into our relationship is I'm not right about everything. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and like taking, like taking that moment to listen and like just teaching those easy, simple virtues of like kindness and love to my kids and like the satisfaction of like hearing my son say to my younger daughter, uh, when she falls down, are you hurt? What happened? How can I help? Rather than saying, I didn't do it. Yeah. Because there's so many people in the world saying, I didn't do it. And like that tone and like it's so, it just lacks so much introspection that it 
that's what drives me crazy. And uh, to, to like hear my kids modeling like that good, like, and maybe they're just mimicking right now, but I hope that, that I hope that it's, some of that is sinking in of like, care about someone else, think about someone else. And so those are the other, like loving kindness meditation is one of the practices as well. And uh, that has grown a little bit recently. Um, so listening to the liturgists, listening to Science Mike talk about the benefits to your brain of uh, the difference between meditation and prayer, that there are different parts of your brain that are activated and have beneficial re uh, results. Yeah. That's been weird for me because I don't believe in God. Right. So how do I get there? Like, can I just pray to a spaghetti monster? And uh, I've taken a cue from Stoicism on this, and I pray to, uh, sometimes I pray to, like, nature, or the pattern that my brain recognizes. Because I think at the fundamental level, we are beings that recognize things around us. And recognizing things around us uh, often manifests itself as God. Like that's what people, when they see a synchronicity, they say, that's God. God is dipping his finger out of the ether and saying, this thing must happen. And I don't think so. I really don't. But... I'm still recognizing those things. So why not pay like some gratitude or homage to that thing that's happening, these synchronicities that exist, recognizing them for what they are and loving them rather than saying automatically, ah, ah, ah. Right. Fact. <laughs> Point of information. <laughs> like, I don't want to be the guy that's like always saying like, no, actually there's no God, blah, 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 blah. We all know that story. Why not just recognize that this is part of our condition. These things happen. There are patterns. Why not make that my God? That's essentially what my God is right now. And I'll pray to that God, whatever it might be. Again, going to that flatland thing. I don't know what it is. I can't know what it is. Unless it comes out and presents itself to me, I'll never know. You'll never know. Um, I don't... So... Um, that those are profound thoughts to me. I want to know as sort of the last question. Yep. How did you, I, I don't, this is going to be a super long question, but also <laughs> I, I'm not, not the question itself, but the answer could potentially be very long. So, uh, where could one start to arrive at the idea that, synchronicity this other god can be prayed to if that mm. makes sense so i don't i'm sure that your path has taken you a lot of time and a lot of places but if you could say to someone where would one start to arrive at i don't want to say ah, ah, ah. i don't want to be that person how can i become the other person that recognizes the pattern yeah uh, I think for me, 
so there were a lot of things happening at the same time in my life when I was like, oh, this church thing isn't really making sense. And I didn't mention those either. Uh, let me just say the different sources that I've uh, kind of looked at. Uh, one is a movement called Effective Altruism, where the question is, how can one dollar do the most good? And the main proponent of that is William McCaskill. He does an excellent podcast with Sam Harris on the Waking Up podcast. Uh, there is Peter Singer, and he also was on the Waking Up podcast. He's also written a book called The Life You Can Save. I also read a book um, by, oh gosh, I can't think of his name right now. It's about someone, it's Mountains Beyond Mountains. Tracy Kidder is the author, and uh, this is gonna drive me crazy. Uh, it's about a guy who started Partners in Health in Haiti. He was brought up Catholic and then got involved with a movement in Catholicism that essentially says, you cannot be saved unless you are the least of everyone. And uh, it's called Liberation Theology. I'm sure I mangled that if anybody knows about <laughs> liberation theology. So good. Excellent book. Helps you realize that you are not in a good spot. Like, or you're, you are in a privileged spot. Probably if someone's listening to this, they're probably in a privileged position, Absolutely. as I am. Right. Um, other books, Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Yep, yep. Excellent. Helped me to um, realize that essentially all religion is is stories that people are telling to each other so that they can work together in a large group and it was without the benefit of science so had we had scientists before religion then maybe religion never would have happened maybe we would have had some other stories that we were telling each other that's an interesting perspective on that book i like that um he's written three books all, i've have only you read, read the first one okay i have the second one um, Homo Deus. Homo Deus. Yeah, I have not read it yet. I've uh, I, I've actually heard some sort of I don't say negative, but kind of meh reviews of it. But I recently, I think Dax Shepard talked about yeah. it and said how important it was to him. So now I'm kind of excited to approach yeah, it. Yeah, I I think his most important work was Sapiens. Yeah. Uh, in his conversations about like where do we go, where are we going? He's a historian. He's really good at history. That was great. Um, Zealot by um, Reza Aslan. Uh -huh. Excellent book. Totally disagree with so many things that he says <laughs> about everything, but it helped to deprogram me a little bit about the New Testament being the inerrant word of God. Realizing that this is something that, uh, again, it's stories that people were telling to each other about different things. Uh, speaking to people in the language that they understand, um, uh, using their spiritual vocabulary to get them to the next level and allowing that next level to be what it was, right. Christianity, and then Christianity kind of becoming some other thing. Uh, this one doesn't necessarily fit that entire mold, but it is a lot about like my practice in my life now is Omnivore's Dilemma okay. by Michael Pollan. Yeah. Just thinking more deeply about my relationship to food, 
how it is I'm eating, why does it matter, what are the ethics of food, where am I going with my food choices. Um, and probably every single one of these has increased my anxiety. <laughs> but like, it's the same question of like, do you want to live in a cloistered community and never know anything? Or do you want to know all the things and do your best to get closer to the thing that you need and have alcohol to help you get, <laughs> get, you, get you there? I like that path. <laughs> so that's kind of uh, stoicism, Seneca, huge influence for me. Um, I've tried to read uh, Eastern Asian uh, philosophy and religion. I just can't do it. The vocabulary is all wrong for me. We're just not talking about the same things. I can't do it. Um, mindfulness meditation, huge step forward for me. Uh, there's a... Um, uh, there's a practitioner of meditation and I can't think of what his name is at the moment that does mindfulness that's really good but if uh, I can't think of what it is but then there's also um, Joseph Goldstein I think uh-huh and um, Joseph Goldstein is the guy this who Sam Harris always yeah has on. and that, Sam Harris is a through line for some of these as absolutely well for me um, who I also disagree with on a lot of things but like he gets to the point that I care about the most, which is let's have the conversation. Right. Here's what I think, or I'm gonna pinpoint the most, the weakest portion of your argument and let's, and then he might spend an hour with Jordan Peterson talking about this fine point that they can't get around. Yeah. And it, it drives some people crazy. I love that. That's, that's it for me because there's two very intelligent people trying to figure something out and that means to me that like you can't quite figure it out maybe yeah they're they're trying and not coming up what we would deem successfully but the attempt is there yeah um so yeah the waking up podcast sam harris that's one that i listen to pete holmes he's my other church like i said yeah i love listening to him i can't listen to every one of his podcasts he's one that i go in and out of Uh uh-huh uh, the liturgists I've recently started listening to. Uh, I can't listen to everything that they do either. I'm probably like sixty percent with them because they just again different vocabulary. Yeah. And it makes it difficult. I listened to the Mormon Stories podcast for a while. Can't do that. No. There's too much. Uh, there's too much attempt to deprogram I feel like there that I feel like needs to come out a little bit more naturally although uh, plug for one of my <laughs> uh, high school teachers Vance Allred was on there really? I loved, I loved listening to him he had a three part okay. conversation with John DeLynn that is just fascinating to listen to because he was in the polygamist sect moved to Mormonism and now is out of Mormonism and one of his children is uh is homosexual and just a very engaging conversation. Uh, I think those are mo- like kind of the main ones for me. And then like again, comedy is huge for me, so I love listening to Improv for Humans, Spontaneous Nation, Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, what is it called? The uh, Welcome to uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern is one that I listen to sometimes. And uh, yeah. 
pretty much anything like from people who were in UCB. Okay. UCB is like its own religion and like this is made fun of on Bojack Horseman a little bit <laughs> on Netflix. Yeah. But they make fun of like uh, improv being a religion uh-huh. and like a cult. And it kind of is because I feel like they've kind of figured some things out. And like uh, I think that's kind of where my next steps are pushing towards is a little bit towards comedy. Like uh, improv I, yourself? Well, uh, I do this. I do improv with my kids all the time. Okay. Like daily improv, I do yes and with them. We move to the next level. I like, uh, or like the yes and truth is actually, if this thing is true, what else is true? So my kids will say something like, "Oh, I have this power," and then I have a power too. So I tell them about my power, and we build out this world, and it's fun, it's imaginative. I've had a couple drinks. We're enjoying ourselves. <laughs> um, or it might be, uh, I, I feel a little silly saying this because I think Emily might listen to it. <laughs> so she does. Um, uh, I think I might write a five-minute stand-up routine. Yeah. And feel it out a little bit. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm so I'm, into that. I'm thinking of my create my next creative steps, and I told you guys about this. I texted you about it. Of, uh, like, I think I'm going to do, like, so I wrote a short story just based, it was a, a autobiographical short story, wrote a little bit about that. That felt good, um, but I kind of don't care about the past, and, like, I keep, I have feelings with this every once in a while, I'm like, I should interview my parents about, like, all these things so that, like, I can, like, save it. I kind of don't care, I kind of just want to keep... <laughs> like bulldozing into the future at some point I think I'll care more about the past than I do now maybe I'll come back to it then um, and so I do think that there are some unique experiences I've had that could turn be turned into comedy so I'm I'm feeling that out a little bit well I'm excited about that <laughs> and I definitely want to hear about uh, where the where this goes um, that yeah. that's awesome so that's kind of yeah so uh, and then the other funny thing that where I'm at is like Mormonism, right? Uh, we go to church probably three out of four Sundays. Go to church. I sh- share what I think about things, and it's I would say there's a little bit of gloss on it so that it doesn't like just um, alienate everyone. Right. Because if I just went up there and said, "Well, I'm an atheist, <laughs> and I think I don't think that helps anyone." Um, but if I tell them, like, you know, here is, like, for example, there was a conversation a few weeks ago about, um, like, when someone has a baby and, like, what is it that you can do? Or, like, if somebody is, so, someone's in a trying time, what can you do for them? And it was the story of Job. The story of Job is three friends come and they sit yeah and that's how they spend i don't know how many days they set they spend a good amount of time at first they just sit and this is the i recognize you you recognize me they're in privileged places where they can just leave whatever they're doing right to come and sit with someone absolutely but they come and they sit and they if you have that privilege maybe you should like make use of it to go and sit and you're there and that's all that matters is that you are there 
And when you're there, that is when you recognize what you can do for the person. I, I don't know what to do for my, my neighbor that lives next door. All I know is that they do X, Y, or Z for their like occupation. I can't do anything for that person. If my uh, sister or uh, brother, they have a baby and I go spend a week with them, I know generally what they need. But after a day, I sit and I see. Oh, like it's hard for them to get meals ready. I make a meal. I see that like the other daughters are getting in the way or the other sons are getting in the way. Let's go, like, let's go out and play. Let's go to the library. I can't do those things unless I'm present. I see them, they see me, I see like what's happening. And um, I don't think that's always like what is taught in the theology. The theology is like, or it used to be, or it, you know, it's growing away from hopefully of you go to your home teaching family once a month and you tell to them, yeah, you check that box and you say like Jesus said this, or you say like Moses said that and then you're done. Like that's not enough for me. And I don't think that's enough for anyone. And uh, I like, I actually like that the Mormon church is like kind of feeling towards something new of like, how can we just build better connections between people? And I think that like home teaching is a good first step. I had people at home taught that I loved and that were friends. Um, but like I was, at first I was checking a box. So um, that's part of the practice as well. Uh, the other practice is just trying to spend as much time with my family as possible and not go insane. Yeah. Because <laughs> um. I love my family and it's great, but there's a lot of anxieties that I have built into um, uh, seeing the world the way that I want it to be and seeing my children be as safe as they can be and those things not always matching up. And that just results in like sometimes crippling anxiety and sometimes just like manageable anxiety. I feel that. <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to reconcile those, yeah. those positions. Again, back to the information, like taking in and knowing and wanting reality and truth. And at the same time, like realizing that when you take all that in, you have to then deal with that in some way, whether it whether it's a glass of mezcal or uh -huh. it is being present with 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 the people um yeah so yeah, yeah. I, so there, there's a lot i mean i feel like i've said a lot but like i feel like there's so many things happening and there's so many sources of information that i'm i am starting to become more cognizant of like trying to focus that a little bit better and the area that I feel most deficient in right now is like uh, putting out uh, the things that I have. So like in Northern Virginia, it was a lot easier. We were in the, the Unitarian Universalist community. There were things that we did all the time. And right now, like we give to um, charities that we care about. Like I, we give to Against Malaria Foundation we give to the Cool Earth Foundation, we give to GiveWell, we give to Planned Parenthood, we give to NPR. Like we've picked our, our main set of places we give money to, but um, just like the human monkey mind, right? That's only part of it. 
that's like the intellectual part, but I have to do something. So like in Northern Virginia, we did um, Bright Paths, mm -hmm. which is like giving to uh, like, um, like giving meals and things like that to homeless communities, or it was helping to settle refugee families, or it was um, helping the homeless community for uh, their hypothermia projects, things like that, yeah. that we haven't, I don't feel like I've fully integrated in here yet. And there's plenty of opportunities, I just haven't picked them yet. And that's where I feel most deficient right now, that I want to just say, do something. Why are you not doing something? Speaking to myself, like, yeah, get yeah. out there and do. And uh, there are those opportunities, so I just need to get out and get those next. And you're, I mean, Thank you for sharing everything. Um, you are doing so much, I think. And like just the fact that you listen to our podcast all the time and give us feedback is very um, confirming to me. And, and I know Diana feels the same way. Uh, so thank you for that. And thanks for being our first guest. I don't know <laughs> when this will go out or how it will go out, but I'm, I'm super excited well, about it. I think it. it's going to have to be... Either we might edited have a two -parter. Or in parts. No, we'll do, we'll do like a two parter. Uh, I think. Um, I think. I think that it'll maybe on your Patreon. For <laughs> yeah. Extra so this you one we'll put behind the paywall. <laughs> this is Richie P. This is not just some no, ordinary podcast. Well, the truth of it is, that most podcasts, the Patreon stuff is like just extra something that happened, and it's not always the best quality. Right, right, right. It's just like here's some extra stuff. Here's some other stuff. We know you guys like us, so <laughs> here's something else you might be able to tolerate. You, you might be able to like. Okay, so in order to not make it three parts or four parts, um, I just give you the opportunity to leave with anything, any last thoughts, or I think the Tim Ferriss podcast asked, like, do you have a last ask of anyone that might hear this? Um, but anyway, you want to take it just to make you feel like you're satisfied with what we've done here? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, we've probably already hit it a few times, but I just hope. Uh, what people are getting out of the podcast is what I'm getting out of the podcast, which is just um, like just becoming a little bit better and just figuring out a little bit more and just making sure that um, you're getting closer and whatever that is closer to, I think people will probably define in different ways. Um, but like we all, I think we all have our ideals and uh, we, uh, we probably don't meet them. I know I don't meet my ideals, and sometimes it's discouraging. Um, and hopefully, we're just getting closer to those and not beating ourselves up too much. Word. All right. I think that's perfect. And right. thank you. Thank you.